Come on, let's, let's do better than that. Let's give a hand for Jesus. Come on. So good. So good, so good, so good. I wanna give a big shout out real quick to your pastors, Pastor Mark and Nina, and uh, how many of us know they're amazing, incredible. You got some incredible pastors. Come on, let's give them a hand, come on. Yeah, they're amazing. Amazing, had such an incredible time with them over the last couple days, and they've been such gracious hosts. And But uh, I do wanna give a big shout out to Redcliffe, who's tuning in with us. Uh, I hope that this finds you, this message finds you well today. I pray that that God does something in your life. And uh, it's really important that we, um, just like in that, just that uh, few moments of worship, just having an encounter with God, just an awareness of who God is in our life. And, uh, but before I dive into just the message encounters with God, I do wanna throw up on the screen uh, my family as well. Um, there's, there's my boys, uh, my two uh, strapping young men. And yes, ladies, they are single. I just want to throw that out there to you. Uh, they're 27 and 23. Uh, one jumps out of airplanes for a living. Um, he's in a he's in the 82nd Airborne in the Army, and the other one is a uh, uh, ER nurse at Johns Hopkins Hospital downtown Baltimore. And uh, that is my lovely wife, who's sitting over here of 33 years. 33 years. She she has had to put up with all of this right here. I do not envy her. I do not envy her. She is so gracious, compassionate, abounding in love, and kind. Uh, she kind of sounds like God. And so uh, she's had to put up with me for all these years. So uh, let's dive right into it. Though. I, really, I really want to uh, talk about this when, it, when I think about an encounter with God. We're going we're gonna, to uh, go from the passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But before we dive into that uh, scripture that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and um, before we get into that, I, I do want to. I do want to uh, say something. I, I think I, I was thinking about this this morning. Like when we encounter God, when I think about an encounter with God, I think uh, sometimes we feel like we are the initiators in that. And and yes, there are moments where we step into that because we've decided to encounter Him. But the funny thing is that God is already there before we even step into it. It's almost like forgiveness. It's almost like the cross. The Bible says in Revelation that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. So before the foundations of the earth even was started, the salvation was already in place for you. It's almost like when we're in prison, and I don't know if you've been behind bars before. I have. Come on. I didn't do it. That's what they all say, Right? But what's wonderful about being behind bars is when you hear the, the, the gate being unlocked so they're releasing you from prison. And some of you are thinking, this whole service, you're gonna be thinking, you're not gonna be listening to the message, you're gonna be listening, what did he do? To get, that's exactly what <laughs> Pastor Mark's over here like, I'm listening too, I'm, I wanna know this, I wanna know this. I didn't do it, I'm just telling you. But it's nothing like walking out of prison when you're free. And, and for some of us, for some of us, it's like the, the prison door. For some of you have never experienced salvation before in your life in, in, in Redcliffe or even here in this moment. Salvation is already there for you. The door is already unlocked. All you have to do is push open the door. Salvation is already there, it's already free. And that's, that's kind of like an encounter with God because, because he is the, what they would call the covenant initiator. 
And whoever initiates a covenant, just like Christ initiated his covenant with us through the cross, whoever initiates the covenant assumes the greater responsibility in seeing the terms fulfilled, which is a wonderful thing. Which husbands in the house, you, all the husbands, all the dads, listen, you're the covenant initiator in your marriage. And you assume the greater responsibility in seeing it fulfilled. Come on, fathers, that's a challenge today. It's your responsibility, it's my responsibility in seeing it fulfilled, and that's exactly how God initiated his covenant with us. And that's how, exactly how we can encounter him. He did it, he did it uh, thousands and thousands of years ago with, with Israel, and Israel was in 400 years of slavery, and Israel could do nothing for God. And God says, these are my people. They're in slavery. They're in chains. They're in bonds. But these are going to be my people. And, why, and the reason why I'm going to establish my covenant with this group of people is I'm going to show the world what God really looks like when it comes to delivering people out of slavery, out of the chains of sin in our own life. It's exactly what he did with Israel. He, he initiated that covenant with them, and he brought them out of Egypt. And how many of us know there's, God is way more interested in our, in our uh, character than our comfort? And what would have took a few days trip to the promised land took 40 years. Come on, sometimes you gotta wander in the wilderness for 40 years just to get Egypt out of you. I was telling the guys yesterday, the greatest enemy is not, is not really Satan. He's, he's already been defeated by Jesus. But the greatest enemy sometimes is the one that's looking at you in the mirror, the enemy and me. And that's the battlefield. That's, that's, the, that's the part. But God, God does this encounter with Israel and brings them out of Egypt and he, and he establishes them and then he, and then he takes them into the promised land, which is what I love when it, when it comes to God's love for his people. Because how many of us know love creates a connection? Love creates a connection. Listen, when, when, uh, when, when I saw Pearl for the first time, she was walking over the bridge at the college that we were at. I remember it like it was yesterday. Come on, guys, I hope, you're not, I hope I'm not dampering your day by remembering all this. But I, I remember seeing her, man, as she was walking across the bridge, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, I just... My heart was just beating. I was like, here's my heart. Like it was that moment. But you know what? She slapped it. She slapped that heart. So I don't want none of that. I don't want none of that. I don't want anything like that. So, so how many of us know persistence? All right, all the single guys in the house, listen to me. Persistence is the key. Annoy them to death to where they say, yes, I will go out with you. And then bring all the flowers you can and pay for all the dinners you can. Go broke if you have to, but do it. Persistence is the key. But love, love creates a, a connection. And that's exactly what happens with us and God. It, it's that we're connecting with our creator. Love creates a connection, but then, but then this connection creates a clarity, does it not? Like when you connect with the creator, there's a clarity about your life. It's like the fog starts to lift and you start to see greater things. You start to see beyond the, the confusion of your own day and you start to see, the, see what's, what's happening in steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and it starts to become clear. There's a clarity through connection. The connection creates clarity and the clarity creates a confidence. 
we, we call it in Baltimore a Godfidence. It's not a confidence in my own strength, but it's a, but it's a, but it's a confidence in, 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 in how God has created me and what he's done in me. His clarity creates confidence, and confidence creates a courage. See, the difference between Israel, when he brought them out of Egypt, they were running from the enemy. Now they're going into the promised land, and they're running to the enemy. Because, because love creates connection, connection creates confidence. Confidence creates the courage that you need to face the giants in your life. And that's what an encounter with God will do. It starts the process of a relationship with him. And that's why I love, love this particular scripture that Paul says, and uh, let's, let's dive into it really quickly. He says, whenever, though they, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil. Isn't it great that he just lifts the veil? And the veil simply means this. It just prevents a thing from being understood. Like, like there's moments in our life where you, you don't understand something and then God starts to lift a veil and you start to see, you know what, this wall I've been up against, there's a breakthrough in this. Like even though I'm, I'm pushing on this wall, um, I, I don't see it, but, but all of a sudden you start to lift the veil. He starts to lift the veil. This is what he does. For some of us, it's, you know, your body, you, you may need a healing. You need a breakthrough uh, in there. But he starts to lift the veil and start to realize that by his stripes that we are healed. And, and we start to see something greater when he starts to lift the veil in our life. And he says, and there they are face to face. I love that. I love it. The one thing the enemy wants to do, and that, and that the apostle Paul describes a chapter later in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the enemy doesn't want you to understand about the veil lifting process. He doesn't want you to see what God has for your life. And, and so he brings, he loves bringing separation and confusion into the picture. As a matter of fact, in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So it reminds me of a story of an ancient Hebrew story in scripture about not just creation, but about separation. And here's the thing, there's only two frequencies in your life today, the voice of God and the voice of the serpent. It's still the same today. And, 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 and for Adam and Eve, it's what voice are they going to listen to in this moment? Right? Because the voice of Satan will always call you to be less while trying to make you feel like you're gaining more in life. Why? Because we know that from, from the story of separation. We know that from Adam and Eve because he said, listen, if you eat of this tree, you're going to be like him, like God. Calling you to be more while, while essentially it's going to create less things in your life. And what he does is he gets their eyes focused off of all that God had given them onto the one thing they couldn't have. That's never a recipe for success. Because he'll always make you feel less while making you see something like you're gonna gain something out of this moment. It's creating less in your life. 
It's creating separation. It's exactly what the enemy wants to do, where God says, listen, you, there's abundance, there's connection, there's, there's oneness in my relationship with you. All of this you can have, but the enemy comes in and he brings a few things in there. He brings actually five things, and it's, it's doubt. He wants you to doubt what God has said, the promises of God in your life. He distorts God's word. There's distortion. There's discouragement. From discouragement, there's distraction. Come on, none of us are distracted in life, right? I'm not talking to anybody that has a cell phone right now, right? I'm not saying any distraction. Pastor, I'm taking notes, I promise you, on my cell phone. Hashtag you're lying in church. No, no just kidding, you know. There's distractions in our life. There's always distractions. And, and eventually what happens is it feels like there's division. There's divisiveness that takes place. And when division, the word division is also the word anxious, which means to separate and divide. And so when separation creates loneliness, loneliness creates anxiety, and anxiety creates depression in your life. And it's not that God is unplugging his life from you. We tend to unplug our life from his. And it's exactly what the enemy wants for you. Because listen, if the atmosphere is anxi of anxiety is around you, then the atmosphere of anxiety is in you. Because whatever comes out of you, flows out of you, should be rivers of living water, should be life to people. But because of depression and anxiety, and all the things that we, we wrestle with in life because we've given, really, really it's given the enemy a legal right to our life. When we give in to the atmosphere of anxiety and when we unplug our life from his, we're giving the enemy the legal right to our life to wreak havoc. And all he wants to do is bring doubt, discouragement, distortion, division. So what do we, so there's things that, that we, we give the rightful place to anxiety in our life. And, and one, of those, one of those things is words. Words, the words that we, that we speak, and the words that we say. And I remember my grandmother growing up, she's from the hills of West Virginia. And we, uh, my, my original, my, my family, my dad and my mom's family, they come from a coal mining background, like, like real hillbillies, like, like real rednecks, folks, I'm talking about. I, I told Pastor, and I actually told the, told the guys this yesterday, like my, my uncle did seven years in the federal penitentiary for moonshine and racketeering. Like he, he was a moonshiner. He's the, he's the original, he's the original, he's the OG of, of moonshining. Like, the, I mean, he made his living moonshining, people. I mean, think about it for a minute. Um, so that's my family lineage, and it's, it's a little wacky. It's a little crazy, I have to say. So how many of us know God does great things? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Delivered us from that. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. But, uh, but, but, but words matter because I remember my grandmother used to say, on my dad's side of the family, my grandmother would say, y'all, and that's you all, okay? That's y'all, it's Southern, okay? Bout, that's, that's about, about. Y'all about to worry me to death, so that she would use terms like that. She would just use terms, y'all about to worry me to death. Now listen, we didn't worry her to death. She lived till 94. I mean, I don't, 
She lived off of bacon and eggs her whole life. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, they tell you to eat right, and they tell you to, you know, you do this. No, my grandmother lived in 94, and she ate bacon and eggs every day of her life. Fried everything. Like, we, like listen, the, Southern, the Southerners, we deep fry water. I mean, we love everything deep fried, you know. We just love it. So, so she would always use that term. And, and, but, but isn't it true, though, that words kind of frame our life? You're created by the words that you speak. How about number two? How about our approach to life, right? Like some of us, we, we don't live with any margin. Like we, we, we actually spend more money than we make. Like how many of us know that creates anxiety? That creates things. Listen, listen, if you're a student in here, how many of us know that, you, you know, you, the assignment was due like, a, uh, you know, they, they told you about it a month ago, but you waited till the last minute to do your assignment. How many of us know that creates anxiety? Some, some, she's saying right now, that's me, that's me. I thrive in anxiety, I thrive in it, love it. It's our approach. How many, how many of us know wrong voices in our life? How many of us know marinating on the news? Come on, come on. If you watch Fox News or CNN or, or MSNBC or any of those crazy things that America's, you know, God, I don't even listen to the news anymore. It's just too much, too much stuff. Just too much negativity. And if, listen, if you're, if you're feeding into that, that narrative and the things that they're trying to feed you and force feed your life, listen, you're gonna be a negative Nelly the rest of your life. And the world is coming to an end. You know, that's how it feels when you watch the news. Wrong voices in your life, man, creates that. How about expectations, right? Expectations, and sometimes I, I, I guess I could say unrealistic expectations because sometimes that's the case. That we don't think that anything's gonna go bad for us. But how many of us know life happens? Life happens. You just have to be ready for it. How about this? How about shame? Sometimes we're stuffing stuff down, we're hiding stuff. The things that Jesus has already forgiven us and we've already been set free from, we still continue to go back to the same story. And we continue in that. And so there's shame there, and that creates that, that disconnection that we, that we have with the creator because we, we've just bought into those things, and, and that's what we focus on. So connection. Connection creates clarity. Clarity creates confidence, and confidence creates the courage that we need. And so the only solution to the separation really is Jesus. Come on. That's really Jesus. So let's continue in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. He says, they suddenly recognize, this is Paul again, he says, they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. I love that. He says, we're free of it. All of us. Nothing between us and God. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? There's nothing between us and God. Like when Jesus gave his life, the, the, the Bible says in the temple that the veil was rent from top to bottom, that there's, there's, there's access now to, this, to the presence of God, to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in your life. There's, there's, there's no constricting thing holding us back anymore. There's no, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not about the, the, the writings on the, on the stones or the tablets. It's, it's actually uh, living and active now in our life. Love that. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining like the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like Messiah. Our lives 
gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful. Don't you love that? How many of us know we don't need Botox? We just need Jesus. Come on. Come on, more brighter and more beautiful in our life. As we connect with the creator to something more brighter and beautiful as God enters our lives, we become more and more like him. So, so I would say it like this. The greatest proof that Jesus existed is not something that we can go back into time and, and actually we can. We can look at the history, history books and, and prove that he, was, he existed. All of those things, uh, all of that, we can, we can find historical facts about Jesus and his life. But the greatest proof that Jesus existed and that, and that Christianity is still alive today is sitting right next to you. It's a person that their life has been changed by the presence of God. That is the proof. It's sitting right next to you today. It's a life that has been set free from the chains of sin and destruction in their life. It's freedom. I love that. I love the fact that we can experience that and encounter God like this. And, and there's so much that, that when it comes to this encountering God and, and looking for we all look for this. We, we talked about this with the guys yesterday a little bit. But we, we look for this, this, this moment of validation, you know, in our life. And do you remember the, you remember the, the, uh, the old Disney classic, The Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, right? I don't know if I can say that now. Is it Seven Dwarfs or Seven Little People? I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't want to get canceled. But anyway, um, when, when, I think about, when I think about that Disney classic, I remember, the, I guess she was a witch or whatever, but she, she, she's a mirror, mirror on the wall who's the fairest one of them all. And I, think, and I think there's so much of that in our life today. Like I think we look at, our, we look at our, our phones and like mirror, mirror on the wall who's got the most likes of them all. I'm not talking to anybody in here today. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's got the best job of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's got the best car of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's got the most possessions of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's got the biggest house of them all? Like we, like we always looking for validation in our life. But the problem with that kind of validation is, is it's ultimately gonna fail because you can't, you can't fill a God-sized hole in your heart with physical things. It, it, actually, we, we should probably say it like this. You cannot fill a spiritual void with physical things. And so psychologists tell us, and I'm gonna hurry along here, but psychologists tell us, tell us three things about, about this experience in our life. How we look for validation, how we look, how we look. There's three mirrors, they call it. And psychology today says it's the mirror of failure or rejection. I am what I did. Now listen, it's okay to take responsibility. It's okay to take responsibility when you're behind bars. You should. Because you know you did it, right? It, you, you should take responsibility for that. that. That's a good thing, but, but that doesn't define you. Failure does not define you. Failure is an event. It's not a person. And so if you feel like a failure, even in here, this, in this room this morning, if you, as a father and in Redcliffe, as a father, you may, you may feel right now like, like, man, I have failed as a father. Well, that's an event. It's not the person. God sees you differently. God never sees you by what you did. He always sees you by what you can become. 
So Psychology Today says the second mirror is the mirror of social pressure. I am who they say I am. I am what others say about me. Well, listen, I want to tell you that God is for you. He's not against you. It doesn't matter what the social pressure of the world is saying to you because you're going to get it. Listen, Jesus said in this world you're going to have trouble. I didn't know you're a football fan. Not, oh, NBA, okay. Look how, dis, look how ADD I am, Pastor. I just, just saw Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, I just running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, um, leave it up to the youth pastor to distract the, the speaker. <laughs> that he's for me and not against me, but in this world you're gonna have trouble but he said, take heart, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. So in other words, we can't play the victim card, dads, in here today. You're a victor, not a victim. I don't care what your, your childhood looked like, what your father was like. I fortunately had, out of all the craziness in my family background, had a great father, earthly father. Loved Jesus with all of his heart. Pastor to church. I was a preacher's kid. That's probably why I found myself behind bars. <laughs> We're not a victim. We're a victor. And it's not because of what I've done and what you've done. It's because of what Jesus has already done for you. So, so they talk about that, that type of mirror. Then the third mirror is this, the mirror of inferiority. In other words, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'll never be qualified for this. How many of us know that God qualifies those who everyone else would disqualify? We see that in scripture. Jesus did that with his disciples. They were the, what they would call the rabbi rejects. They were, they were about their fathers, their, their dads and their family businesses because they never made the cut of following a rabbi. Jesus shows us something totally different in that moment. which should encourage every one of us in here that you may feel like you're disqualifying yourself because of, because of your past, but he never disqualifies you. He sees so much more in you than what you see in yourself. So much more in you that you see in yourself. As a matter of fact, when you feel like you're, you're not enough, what, what happens is you gotta go to the one who created it. I'm not a, I'm not a when, I, when I look at abstract painting, I'm like, I don't see it. You know, I just don't see it. I just don't have that eye. You know, my brain doesn't work that way. Some of you could be like, oh, yeah, it's this, this, and this, and this. You could tell the whole story. I'm like, well, okay. That's awesome. But I can't see it, so I have to ask the artist, like, help me with this. And I think it's, and I think it's the same for us. Like, you, you, you may be, feel like you're abstract, like you just, 
you, you don't even understand life and what life is about, and you're trying to, you're trying to get your footing on it, and, and, and what's this God thing, and you're, you're just struggling with that. And I, I just believe you gotta go to the one who created you and go to him to fulfill everything that God has for you. And there's no way that you can live out your God-given potential without asking the one who created you because he put it in you. Everything that you've ever done in life, every gift thing that you have on your life is from him. And it brings us to a place of, do I wanna surrender to that part of my life? Everything that you've ever done and accomplished in this life has, yes, you feel like you've done it with your own hands and all of those things, but God put it in you. You may be a painter in here and all the beautiful paintings that you've painted is, see, all that creativity came from God. That's from him. See, there's things that I'm good at that you're not good at and there's things that you're great at that I'm never gonna do. I'm just not good at. Why? Because God has created us differently in this room. We all have a different thumbprint, a different voice, different heart rhythm beat to our life. And the voices that you have to understand is the two voices, the, the two frequencies in this world, the voice of the enemy and the voice of God. Which one are we gonna listen to today? Redcliffe, which voice are you gonna engage in today? Is it the voice of the enemy that tells you you're not enough? Or the voice of God that tells you you're more than enough? That you're the head and not the tail, you're above all and not beneath. What voice are we gonna listen to today? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for those in Redcliffe and what you're doing in the house right now. God, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for the work that's, that's already been prepared here, that, God, you're already in this time, in this moment. There's no, you were already here before we were here, God. You are omnipresent. You're, you're already there for us. And so, God, I just pray that we would link our hearts with yours today. And it's really simply God just saying, you know what, I, I, I've tried to do it in my own strength, I've tried to do it in my own power, but I, I can't do it anymore this way. I need something greater than myself, so I need an encounter, not an explanation anymore. I don't need any more scripture, I don't need any more of the, the things that people can explain to me, but what I do need is an encounter with God that can change my life forever. But as the worship team was singing and, and interjecting in that moment, in that space of worship, that God, when we encounter you, we're never the same again. So Lord, I wanna get to the place where greater is he that is in, than he that is in this world. Lord, I wanna connect with you so I can have the confidence. Through that confidence, I can have the courage to face the giants in my life. You know, in this room, every, every head bowed, every eye closed in this moment, I just wanna pray for you as we just continue with this incredible moment of the next few minutes. 
do some communion together and God's gonna just begin to move on your hearts. I really believe that. Maybe you're in this room today and you say, you know what, Pastor? You were talking to me today. I need an encounter with God. There are times where I feel like I'm not enough. There's times where where I just feel like I can't go on. I just struggle with depression and anxiety in my life. Maybe maybe that's you today. Maybe there's other things in your life, but but it was like, you know what, Pastor, you were speaking to me today. If that's you, I just wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna call you out or anything. I just want you to lift your hand up and just let me see those hands in the room. Is there anyone like that today? You just say, Lord, I just need, I need prayer for this. Yep, I see those hands. Yep, yep. You can put them right back down. All those who are lifting their hands, you can put them right back down. Yep, I see you in the back. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you for being honest. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, I just thank you for all of those who, who lifted their hands today and said, you know what? That was me. It spoke to my heart, spoke to my life. I need prayer. I need an encounter with God greater than ever before. I just pray for those who are struggling right now with anxiety. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing, that you just break that off of their life. God, that they can step into the freedom that's already there. That, God, that they don't have to live in the stronghold of thinking that my life is always gonna be and feel depressed and I'm gonna struggle with anxiety my whole life. Nope, it, it, the prison door is already open. They All they have to do is step through that today and step into the presence of God. I thank you for your presence in this room that that would just break off of their life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, for those who want to connect with the Creator, God. They feel disconnected in some capacity, but God, I pray today that in some way, God, that that you just reveal your heart to them greater than ever before, and I thank you for it, and it's in your name we pray, and everybody said amen, 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 amen. God bless you guys.